This right. is an eight iron, and it's a dead shank. Wow. Way right. Oh, Takes a hop off the path. You gotta be kidding me. Very tough pitch shot right here. You gotta hit it into the hill. One hop up and bite, and it's in. Kind of like that. Well, I would like to welcome noted golf course architect Chris Cochran to the Sub 70 podcast. Uh, Chris, thanks for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Look forward to this conversation. Sure. Thanks, Jason. Uh, glad to, to do this. Well, I know you guys have a lot going on at Nicholas Design uh, over the last year or so uh, with some projects here in the States, some international stuff. So what have you guys been up to and, um, you know, say the last couple of years and what projects are you guys looking forward to working on? Uh, yeah, I mean, last year was busy for me. I mean, with the COVID, uh, you know, what was going on with that, that really didn't slow us down a- at all. Uh, you know, we were, uh, because of COVID, Yearfield shut down, that, you know, they weren't going to get a lot of play. So therefore they decided to go ahead and pull the trigger and redo Muirfield Village. Uh, so we spent the spring rebuilding the, the fairway bunkers before the tournaments. And then, I'm, you know, as you can see on TV, uh, that Sunday of the final round, you know, we started blowing it up and redoing all the greens, bunkers, and tee complexes and, uh, and some of the fairways. Uh, also was very busy with American Dunes in Michigan. Uh, that's uh, for Folds of Honor charity, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney. So that's a, a really a great site. I can't wait for that to open and for people to see that. It's really a uh, an interesting golf course. So uh, last year was very busy. When you are you know redoing a golf course like Mirfield, where you know you're going to have you know a PGA Tour event, but yet the members have to play that golf course on a regular basis, is that a hard balance to kind of make that all work in the sense that it seems like more than ever the guys at the top top level their game is even different than a high level amateur of how far they're hitting it how they approach a golf course and then you got to have you know a member out there who's a 15 handicap that can still enjoy the golf course on a daily basis when the event's not there uh yeah i mean you know you know definitely jack was thinking about the tournament player but he's also thinking about the members uh, there are no members at Mirrorfield Village who aren't there who don't realize, you know what, this is a tournament golf course. You know, we like hard tournament golf courses. Uh, but on the other hand, they still want it to be, you know, playable. So uh, with the renovate, which, which the golf course already was, I, I think it's still a, a very, for the members who play there, yep, they know it's hard, but that's what they like about it. It's kind of like the Oakmont members. They, they, are, and the concession members, they relish, they love that their golf course is hard. Uh, I'm not, you know, not, Mirfield Village isn't necessarily as hard as those two golf courses, but, you know, that's the mindset of the membership there. Uh, but with redoing the golf course, yeah, uh, we added some tees, uh, did some things to add more pin areas and some more challenging approaches for the tour players. But for the members, you know, we, we did a lot of work on the tee complexes got the tees in a more friendly position for a lot of them, better angles, a little bit shorter. Uh, six is a great example. The rebunkering of the fairway there gave them easier, better options to play the golf hold. But at the end of the day, it still might be a little tougher for the tour player than for the, for the member. The other thing is, you know, this is 
Jack's really kind of his last shot at it. And what he's done by rebuilding all the greens, rebuilding all the bunkers, et cetera, you know, he's left the membership, you know, uh, you know, not only a great golf course, but a, a, a golf course that is very, very well built and will not need any, you know, serious capital expenditure to, to upgrade it for decades. So, uh, I, I, I think all the goals were met. Yeah, and it's got to be a, a satisfying feeling when you get the the feedback from the PGA Tour players, which seem like they love the, you know, the the changes of what's going on, and then the membership. It's got to be a cool feeling that when you balance both of those out, and you guys can walk away from that and go, you know, I think we got it. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And you know, it'll be it'll be interesting after the tournament. You know, I worked for Jack for a long time, and I know he's not done tinkering. You know, so it'll be fun to see how the the players play the golf course, uh, uh, the scores they shoot, and how Jack will react. But also his his friends, his fellow members there, how they play it and how they'll react. You know, so I'm sure we'll be in there in the fall tinkering, doing some minor things, uh, which, you know, as hard as you work at it and as much experience as you have at it, you really don't know exactly how it's going to play until people get out there and play yeah, makes sense. And like I said, if you need a tweak here or there, you guys have the ability to do so. And, you know, golf courses seem like they're very few or just, you know, it's built like this and there's no minor tweaks or changes that happen. It's just sort of the nature of golf, right? Golf course architecture can change. Look at Augusta's change. You know, what you guys have done at Muirfield, it's, it's pebbles changed, right? It's okay to kind of tweak and do a little bit here and there to, you know, to keep it to where you need it. Absolutely. And the, the best story of that is Donald Ross, you know, living on uh, you know, the third hole of Pinehurst number two and watching how people played the golf course. And he lived there. And it's my understanding. He tweaked it and changed it every year. Yeah, you know, it, so, you know, that, that that's just the nature of great golf courses. Exactly. Well, speaking of great golf courses, um, Want to talk about the white golf course at Dismal River, the the one of the two courses that you guys designed there, and I have uh, people probably nauseum from this podcast. No, I'm a member out there, so full disclosure, I love the golf course. I love being a member out there, so I'm just going to put that out there now. I'm a huge fan, but I think it's deservingly so because I truly feel the golf course is one of the best in in the world that's ever been built. I truly feel that way. So I'd love to. We're going to kind of dig in and see how did we create this masterpiece because I think it's just, you know, a wonderful, wonderful track. So my first question is how did how did you guys get involved back in the day of coming out to Sand Hills in Nebraska? What? Nebraska's full of cornfields. Who, who knew there were sand dunes out in the middle of, you know, northwest Nebraska? So how did the project come about and what was your guys' impressions of, you know, sort of the property or the concept of where you saw it and where you could kind of take it? Uh, you know, we were contacted by a representative of a, a consortium of guys in, in Denver who wanted to develop this property. Um, I, I'm from Wichita, Kansas. I, I'm, you know, played a lot of golf at Prairie Dunes. Uh, and when Sand Hills first opened, uh, the first year it was open, I went out there and played that. Uh, so I'm familiar with it. My dad's from Nebraska. I got cousins throughout Nebraska. Uh, Jack, you know, even though he hadn't played any Sand Hills golf, was well aware of it. And with his hunting, uh, you know, throughout the, the Plain States, you know, he was aware of the Sand Hills as well. So we were very, very excited about it. Uh, and we were contacted, you know, by this representative. Uh, we tied it into one of the trips out west, landed in North Platte. 
you know, got in the guy's car and, you know, drove the two hours to the site, you know, wondering, you know, or an hour and a half, uh, you know, wonder what we were getting into. Uh, I remember pulling into the property and, well, you're driving to the property, you know, you're going down that 17 mile drive and you're seeing all these dunes and landforms and natural blowouts. And we were just so excited. And then we pull into the property. Uh, it's still the same road. And we're driving along that, and there's big dunes on our left, big dunes on our right, you know, and then the dismal river down below. And, and the road really paralleled, the, you know, the river. And as we're looking at it, we're a little disappointed, you know, because it absolutely it was beautiful, but this could be western Kansas. This could be eastern Colorado. It could be lots of areas of the Dakotas like that. Uh, so we're waiting for the, you know, where are the really – exciting dunes, et cetera. So we're driving along the Dismal River. We kind of go up by where the current clubhouse is. We're going all along the western border. It's getting a little exciting, and we're seeing some good stuff, but no, no, we don't own that land. And then we come up, you know, over a hill, and there's some more big valleys, and it's like, oh, boy, we could have to move dirt. We got to move a lot of dirt if we're going to go in here. And then I remember we came over the hill kind of where Jack's shack is and saw that valley. Mm-hmm. And that's where we got excited. It's like, oh, boy, look at this. You know, so that that's kind of where the excitement got going. Is the process, when you when you see land that naturally good for Lynx Golf, is the process sort of how do we move the least amount of sand or dirt and let the holes speak to us? Or how do you then go about routing something like that? I mean, I imagine you had to... I don't want to put words in your mouth, but is there, I mean, you had to find more than 18 holes, right? Then how do you put it together? What's the process to make it as natural as you could make it? Um, what am I so, trying to say? But still, you know, you, you, you still got to make a golf course out of it. No, I, I, absolutely. Um, uh, as we got on the, the site, we knew we didn't want to move a lot of dirt. Um, we, we knew we wanted the land to dictate to us, which, which we always try to do anyway. But again, you know, we design a, a lot of golf courses in Florida. We design, you know, housing development and old bean fields in Ohio. So, you know, a lot of our sites, there's not a lot of natural beauty there to start with. So we got to create a lot. Uh, we come to Dismal River and it's like, oh boy, this is fantastic. We, we need the land to dictate, find the path of least resistance and, so what we did is we probably spent a couple hours in the suburban and just drove all over the property trying to identify, uh, you know, areas where we could move the least amount of dirt. And that's kind of where it started. We, so that was with Jack. Uh, I came back. Finally, we got a topo. Uh, and from memory, we routed golf holes. Uh, it, okay, well. There's a couple of ways you can lay out a golf course. Uh, and and we, uh, So what Jack is, Jack's very visual. He can read a topo map, but he's not going to sit there and study a topo map and try to figure out where the golf holes go. Uh, I'm more the engineer. Uh, you know, I like the map, and I like that to kind of tell me where to go, and that's what I start with. So I, I laid out some golf holes just as a beginning based on memory of, you know, driving around the valley and the hills, et cetera. So when I went back to look at the property and kind of pin flag out where, you know, I saw routing and I talked to Jack about, uh, we just kind of, that's where we started. 
what I don't like to do is see something that, oh my God, I got to keep that and that let that dictate everything because oftentimes, you know, that will tie you up. But when I saw the 18th hole, I'm like, this, no matter what we do, this, we have to have this hole. So that's kind of where we started. So I started with the 18th hole and worked the routing around that. And it was amazing how it really fell into place. Uh, so really 18 and much of the front nine all the way to 11 really fell into place. The big mystery, the big hard area was kind of 12 through 15. You know, that's where we went back and forth, back and forth and had multiple routings. Also, you know, we did two a little bit, you know, you know, two is a little bit different, but really the five, six, seven quarter there, uh, that went back and forth in a lot of different ways as well. But at least the start was with 18. That's what we started with, uh, brought Jack back out there and we agreed upon a routing, but we probably had, I don't know, eight, 10 holes shaped and irrigated before we finally figured out the rest of the holes, how to put them in there. So it was at this side, it was ever, it was an ever evolving process. Yeah. And I can imagine you could find really good multiple options, right? That must've been difficult. Cause I, like I said, with the land being so great, I'm sure it's sort of hard at times that there's not a, you know, you find, like you said, your 18th hole, which is just a great par five. If that's naturally there, then I imagine some of the other holes would be hard to pick which direction you're going because there are legitimate, you know, it's great land. It would be quite easy, I imagine, to find other holes out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was digging through uh, some old as built and old plans, and I pulled out one from uh, early 2005, and <laughs> I can't believe where I had some of the golf holes initially, you know, because it's so different from what was there. So your current 17th hole was actually a, a dog leg right, and 16 was actually a dog leg left. I think both are wonderful holes the way they are, you know, but on paper, that's what worked good. You go out in the field and you look at it. It's like, no, no, we got that wrong. We need to get the tee over here. And so that's kind of how it goes. Well, I was going to bring this up as one of my points, but I think on that golf course, you know, 14 is just a tough par four, but I think those finishing holes from 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, I don't know if there's a better stretch on a back nine where you could make an eagle or you could make a double and you've got the opportunity. There's it's the wind can hurt you. Then the next hole, the wind can help you. It's more than fair. And if you play great, there's opportunities for scoring. And if you're, if you're playing a match and you got to get the ball in the hole, it can also, every one of those holes can come up and bite you. I think it's just a great combination of what impending birdies and impending disaster all at the same time, which is just such a fun way to play golf. I don't know what your assessment yeah. is of those last ones, right? Like it's just, no, I, it's just I, a great I, balance. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And it, and it all kind of tells a story too, you know, I, I mean, I think 14 such a wonderful hole, uh, downwind, it's not so bad, you know, the prevailing wind, you know, when you play there in the summer, it usually is downwind, but in the spring and the fall, and you know, when you get fronts coming through out of the North, yeah, it's a bear when, when it's a North wind, but the whole golf course, in my opinion, does play quite a bit easier with the South wind versus the North wind. Uh, uh, 15, you know, we were talking about the routing 15 was the bugaboo. That's the one golf hole where, yeah, we had to move some dirt to get that to, to work, uh, where that big waste bunker is in front of the green. That was a big dune. So we had to chop that out. Uh, 
And then, you know, you go into 16 and, and 17 that still play kind of downwind and, you know, but into the wind, they're, they're, they're very tough. You know, but I, I think it really is a, a, a wonderful stretch of golf. Yeah, and it looks intimidating, but there's room out there. There's width in the fairways, right? There's a little bit more than the eye wants to give you on the front end, right? If you got the confidence to pull the shot, there's there's it's they're they're a little intimidating, which I love, but there is more forgiveness out there than I think. It takes you a few times to play it and understand that, you know, it's not as difficult as might once seem once you're on that tee box. Uh, absolutely. And for the majority of that, not all of them, but for the majority of the tee shots, you have 70 yards. You have 70 yards to uh, maintainable turf, you know, to hit your tee shot in. And you know, a lot of the, you know, the majority of the fairways sit in valleys, you know, that do contain the golf ball. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's just the, the scale of everything is so big there that it, it looks, you know, tighter than it really is. But if you go out there and pace it off and, and see what it really is, it, it's it's really quite generous. So when Mr. Nicholas comes back and sees that with, with I mean, the, the, the reputation, the skill set, the design work, and, and his playing of being probably the greatest ever, you know, out there. What, so you guys are doing the engineering, then somebody like Mr. Nicholas comes in. And what does he then, you know, bring for that part that you guys need him to bring? Is it from the player's standpoint? Can he just sort of, does he just have the art in his eye where he can see how the holes are just supposed to be shaped and go? Like... Obviously, his work speaks for itself, but how, what does he bring to that table that's only Jack Nicholas can do? Uh, there, he brings so much, you know. You know, not only, you know, uh, you know, arguably the greatest golfer of all time or at least the greatest tournament player of all time. Uh, you know, so you have his perspective on how to play the golf holes. Uh, Jack's such a clear thinker and such a great problem solver. Um you know, that it's very fun to watch him play and or watch him work and, and hear him talk how, you know, he sees the whole working and how you would play through it, uh, you know, and develop a strategy from there. I mean, Jack developed all the strategy there, uh, you know, during the routing process and natural features, you know, I pretty much tell you what's going to happen, but, you know, Jack is a, you know, there's not probably, there's not a whole lot of uh, people ever, you know, who have seen or have been on more site visits, seen more golf courses, seen more golf courses under construction than Jack. So, uh, you know, Jack is a excellent architect in his own right. Uh, you know, he's, but he's kind of the quarterback of the team. So, you know, he gets, we all work together, but he's the quarterback. He gets the final say. So it really is his golf course, and he brings so much to it. It's, it's you know, I love working with him. Sometime do you have to pseudo-play the hole, meaning even though the hole might not be fully in, you kind of grab yourself from the tee box and, okay, let me see this visually. And will Mr. Nicholas actually kind of think of it from that standpoint of, this looks right. Okay, the strategy makes sense here. Prevailing wind could be this way, but if it's from this way, because the wind is such a factor on that golf course, of trying to just take that whole thing in, and you almost have to imagine you are on that tee playing it versus being in the bulldozer to figure out those final touches of how you're going to set that hole up. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, The wind has so much to do with it, but it, it changes so much out there. You, you, you can't think of every, you know, every scenario. Uh, but, you know, kind of the equalizer there on that golf course to, to help you through all those 
various weather conditions, you know, are are the green locations. The majority of those green locations do sit in natural hollows or are punch bowls. So, you know, I think that that's what really makes the golf course playable in the most difficult conditions. On top of that, you know, are, are the fairway wits too. They're, you know, for the most part, uh, you know, the tee shot on four is a little bit is is tighter. Uh, the tee shot on 18 is pretty tight, but outside that, it's it's pretty generous golf course. And I think those are the things that you know make it playable and in all weather conditions. I was going to ask you on the par four, uh, or, I'm sorry, the fourth hole, of the par five there with the windmill. Have you ever designed a hole that there's a, a windmill in there? I love having that feature. I think it's so unique and such a great par five. It might be my favorite hole on that golf course. If you hit a good tee shot, you can go at it. I love the natural feature of the of the windmill sort of there. I just think it just so fits that property. Have you ever ever had a hole where you had to design it around a windmill like that? No, not at all. And how many times have you hit that windmill? I know I've hit it at least a half a dozen times. And if you go by the little water tank, it's full of golf balls. Been there, <laughs> so, been there done really, that. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's the it's the only water feature on the property. You know, on on our golf course. So. Uh, you know, it's set in there perfect. It sets in perfectly for the strategy. Uh, you know, there, there's a cattle rub in the fairway as well. I'm not sure that's there anymore, but we, you know, we kept, we kept uh, the cattle rub where, you know, the cattle would go to this couple of posts with a chain across it with a it's bat there. and they go through that. Okay, good. It's so that's there. still there. So that, yeah. that's all part of the story, you know, yeah, you know and embracing you- what was there. Yeah, and if you know, it's a great strategy too because you know the risk reward is there, but there's room out to the right if you don't want to take it on, right? And then you got a tricky right. little wedge shot yeah. to get on the right level. So the strategy of that hole to me is it's just brilliant from tee shot yeah. to the second shot, and there's all kinds of different ways you can play it. Which, right? Those are the best par fives in the world where it's never just a three shot or it's never just an instant go for it. It's you got to think your way around that par five. You know, what's fun, too, is you're sitting up high on that tee, and you just see everything sitting out in front of you. You know, you know where the pin is off the tee shot, you know. So, you know, it's fun because you stand up there, you know, the hole's just right there in front of you, you know, you know, with the strategy presenting itself. Is it is it difficult that when you go out there and Sand Hills opens and, you know, no one wants a Sand Hills 2.0, is there sort of a – do you have to take a little bit of a different approach or once again, was that the land was because it is a little bit more dramatic. I think where the white course is at than sand Hills. Is that where the land just sort of dictates that the course is going to be a little bit more rugged and a little bit more up and down and a little bit more, you know, I think visually it's more, it's more special. I mean, sand Hills is a great golf course, but I think the, sh- the shots you can get out at dismal or, you know, some of the tee shots are just incredible. So, are you, do you let the land dictate, hey, this is just how it's going to be, or are you cognizant that we don't want to make that? That course is a, is a great golf course. It's been built, and we don't want to make, the, you know, the second version of that. Yeah, you hit on it. Uh, you know, there, there's two factors here. A, all the Sand Hills golf courses are different. You know, any golf course in the Sand Hills is different because just the, the way the dunes are are, are are so much different, you know. Uh, Sand Hills is so much more of a broader kind of valley type golf course, you know, big broad valleys and broad slopes, while Dismal is is much more dramatic. So that in itself, you know, creates a lot of change. The second thing is uh, 
you know, Bill Coor and Ben Crenshaw, who I have a ton of respect for. I love their work. They do great work. You know, their design philosophy is, is different than what Jack's is. So therefore that in itself, you're going to have two different types of golf courses. Yeah, and both can have, you know, completely stand on their own. I love the differences between I, 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 it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that, you know, like no one wants the that's same the thing beauty twice. Of golf. Exactly. Absolutely. That's the beauty of golf, you know. Uh, there's no no real hard set rules, you know. It, it's all golf. It's hit your ball, find it, hit it again, you know. Try to position it, you know, to score lower. You know, that that's golf. What was the feedback when you guys, you know, and I'm assuming you played it when you finally got it open and you're there and you get to see this all come together, you know, what did you feel when you played it? What was the feedback? And kind of when you take your design or your architectural hat off and you just a golfer and you go play it, what was sort of your first impressions when you, you know, when you went out there and saw the whole thing put together and ready to go? So during, uh, during growing, I, I, I came in, uh, was, with a buddy of mine from Kansas city and we played it and it was a lot of fun. It was still rough and, and growing in, but you know, I, I thought it was very playable. We, we really had a good time when the golf course finally did open for the, the membership and the opening play. Again, I, I was very pleased with how it played, but a couple of things really got it off on the wrong foot. Uh, the, so how we built the golf courses, we simply pin flagged where we thought fairways would go and we bush hogged down the prairie. Then we just put in the irrigation and uh, tilled everything and seeded into that. So there was, you know, we did a little bit of grading on the fourth hole. We did a lot of grading on the 15th hole, did a little bit of grading on the second hole. But outside that, it's pretty much what was there. Uh, but with that being said, the irrigation system, we hard-lined the edges. So we had uh, part circle heads on the outside that were to throw just on the inside to grow in the, the turf. But since we, during construction, irrigation, et cetera, we did damage to the prairie on the outside, we had those part circle heads on full circle. So to grow the prairie back in with the thought being, once everything's drawn in, the hard, hard lines will yeah, you know, the part circles will just throw on the inside. Uh, we'll mow the fairways, and any drift will go ahead and, and just mow that down. You know, mow the prairie down, introduce more fescue, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and mow that at a maintainable height, and then just let it gradually thin out into the prairie. Well, that didn't happen. You know, the full circle heads are the part circle heads remain full circle heads for years, and therefore that immediate rough became jungle. And that was never the design intent. So even though there's ample width uh, to play, it's very intimidating because if you miss that 70 yards, it's basically a lost ball. So that was not the design intent. That's what none of us ever wanted, uh, but that's what had happened. So I think that's what kind of got it off on a, you know, uh, on the wrong foot. The other thing too is, you know, we planted in 05. And, you know, some of the last seed went down in September, uh, which is really too late. But we got a little bit, we had a nice spring, our last, nice fall, so we got a little bit of a take. That winter, it just blew like crazy. I, I, I remember seeing pictures of the ninth green. I mean, it had six feet of sand on top of it, you know. Right. And a lot of the greens had so much blow sand on it that it had really distorted what the contours had been. Uh, so... The sand collected on highs, and, and therefore pitches got faster, highs got higher, 
Lowe's, you know, remained as is. So when it did open with all that happening, yes, the grains were, you know, from the from the grow in being young and all the blow sand, they had changed and had become more severe. Uh, which we, you know, in the following years came in, cut some side sod, lowered things back down and toned it back down. So I think it got off on the wrong foot with that. But uh, when I was there a few years ago, I, you know, for the most part, you know, that stuff had been taken care of and it was playing really, really well. Uh, I will say, though, but, you know, you remember there, like the fifth, the fifth hole, the par three up the hill, which yeah. is a wonderful hole. You know, the idea was, you know, that left pin sits up high, you know, it's kind of a, a, a hog back there. And if it's strong downwind or you're, you you don't want to tackle that, you're afraid of being short or long, you can kind of go to the punch bowl half to the right. You could always see that pin on the left. You can't see that pin on the left anymore because the blowout, the dune in front of it, the scarred sand there, just keeps depositing more and more sand uh, on the front left part of that green. So now it's totally blind. And, you know, unless, unless it's into the wind, I'm not sure anybody could hit a, a shot to stay on that upper deck, you know, so everybody has to play to the right and then put back up to it. So yeah, things no, like that evolve and you, you need to be able to go back and, and, you know, understand the original design intent and go back and, and, you know, uh, you know, get things back to where they were originally designed. In that, I was going to bring that up as well. You're you're making my job easy here. How how often, because that golf course will change just from the elements of wind and sand, it just it 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 changes. It just will. How often yep. does that course need to be looked at so you guys don't lose, you know, architecture lines like you're talking on that hole? And that is a hard hole. I mean, I have to hit something. If it's downwind, I got to take nine iron from one. F- you know, 50 up a hill and just hit it as hard as I can to try to hold it. And I'm assuming the back side of that green has sloped more than it probably was designed to, right? I can't imagine it was that much of a fall off. Yeah. I mean, it could have, I I mean, I know that right half goes into that dune and that creates kind of a punch bowl. And that was always the safe bailout. Uh, But to your question, you know, you know, you'd love to be able to go back once a year, but it, it really is an owner's call, you know, what they want to do. Uh, I was in there a few years ago when, uh, Joel Jacobs and his group took over for it, you know, and, you know, uh, and talked to them about what I saw, et cetera. And, uh, you know, they just taken control of it. So they had a lot of, uh, other things that they were working on. Uh, you know, so they do have the information that I, I had recommended. Uh, hopefully they're in a position to, to work on it if they haven't already, but, you know, I would love to go there once a year and, you know, help them out and, and, you know, adjust as needed. You know, those bunkers, you know, the, the sand keeps blowing out of them. They get deeper and deeper. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got bunkers that were, you know, just little three-foot deep bunkers that are now six, seven-feet deep bunkers, you know, because the wind keeps blowing out. I, you know, uh, Sand Hills has been very helpful to us, you know, asking them questions. They've been very open. I, you know, they're superintendents and, you know, I know at, during the wintertime they'll throw crates and, and tires and things like that in their bunkers. So over the winter, you know, they, they can, you know, set up a uh, snow fence so they can keep sand blowing out of bunkers and help preserve things. But, uh, you know, 
I, I think they go in every so often too and refill bunkers and change, you know, fix grades, et cetera, as well. That's just part of the dynamic nature of the Sandhills. Yeah, that's just the land out there, right? Which is like, yeah, it's that's, such. That's what it, it is. Yeah, and then the, 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 it's the whole thing too. It's the people, it's the land, it's, I always, you know, every guy or, you know, even uh, golfer, I should say, do a lot of guys' trips out there, but it's even every golfer. I think I've never brought anybody out there to that region and hung out at Dismal and, and, and played Mr. Doak's course and what you guys designed who haven't come away from that experience almost changed a little bit, you know, because it's such a unique experience and they can't wait to get back there again. And how those golf courses, you know, it's such a... Uh, a unique way or almost it's old school you can play it in so many different fashions right you can you can use the ground the ground can be your friend like you said a lot of those greens are kind of bowled in and if it's really windy you can hit those old school scottish shots and run them in there and downwind you might have to hit it up in the air a little bit the creativity and variety i never see anybody get bored on the white golf course of playing it where it's like eh, played this i don't know played it i you know played it 60 times i'm bored with it it's always a different golf course and it's always unique and it's just such a wonderful way to play golf and in such a great area of the country that's just how quiet it is out there like you said the people it feels like you're almost out in Montana and you're it's just such a unique experience it's uh tell you what that place makes my heart happy when I'm out there yeah it's such a peaceful beautiful area I, I'm from that part of the country anyway so I, I always love going there uh, you know Jack you know loves going there loves spending his time there i i remember jack said something during the opening that really stuck with me you know because because dismal is um you know people tend to categorize architects and you go to dismal river and that's definitely not the box that you put jack in you know it's something totally different and I remember Jack saying during the opening, he's like, you know what, we, we wanted to design something different here and uh, because why would you come out here if it's just like, you know, Springfield Country Club, the place that you come from? You know, you, you want something totally different and, you know, it's a totally different piece of property and, you know, that, that's what we strived hard for is to, you know, let the land land because it truly is a great, wonderful piece of property that – I've never seen a piece of land lend itself so naturally to golf in Dismal River, you know, and just let it dictate what the, the golf holes and, and strategies are. Well, I couldn't agree more, and I think you guys nailed it. It's like I said, it's uh, it, it it brings a, a ton of joy to my life, um, and I know the, mem- the the membership is doing so well out there, and Joel's done a great job with it, and, uh, you know, you can see it when you're sitting around that fire at night having a cocktail overlooking the Dismal River kind of valley where the red course is, of, you can see it on their faces of how much they enjoy that golf course out at the white, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's a very, I'm very privileged, and I just also want to say thank you for the work you guys did out there because you make a lot of the members extremely proud and extremely, you know, grateful and happy we have such a masterpiece that, you know, we get to play all the time so when we're out there. So you guys did a wonderful job. Well, thank you very much. And I have one final question. So what do we got to do to get this thing in the top 50 in the world? Because it deserves to <laughs> be there. It deserves it. I don't, I've been fortunate enough. I've played all over the world. I'm in the golf business. I've seen what I consider great architecture, and I agree. You know, Cypress Point is really good. I get it. I, I played Sandhills. It's really good. 
This should be in that conversation. It's that good architecturally. It just is. How do we get it there? How do we slowly but surely, and I think there's momentum there, but how do we get that golf course that you guys did in that conversation of the greatest in America? Because I'm not saying this because you're on. I truly feel in my heart it should be at that level. Uh, you know, I appreciate that. I, I agree with you. It's such a unique property. I, I think it's just a, you know, it, you have a new owner. Uh, I think so many of the Raiders probably played it early on, you know, and maybe they haven't been out there recently, you know, and I, I just hope the Raiders will, you know, get get out there, and, you know. Uh, if they haven't been there in the last two or three years, please go out there and, and see it and play it and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll agree with us. Yeah, I, I think over time, you know, it's too good to not eventually get on that that list of the best. It, you know, it's my opinion. I hope it gets there. Um, like I said, but uh, last year the course was in great shape. Like Joel's doing a great job of of great. Yeah, it's the greens are the right speed. You know, you can like you were talking about like you know there is no green grass on the right or left side of the fairway. You can play out of it. Now you might have a sketchy lie. As you should. Yep. But then it's risk reward, right? Okay. Do you want right. to take it on or do you want to place it? makes you think. And that's the best part of it, right? Like, but you can play right. out of it now and it makes you, if you hit a poor shot, you can hit a great shot to recover. It gives you options. So they've got, you know, the green speeds are fast enough. It's really playing great. You know, the ball's bouncing. Um, Joel's, Joel and his staff, uh, you know, they're, is doing a great job with it. It's, it's, it's playing fantastic. So, I think uh, what they're doing out there and what we're doing out there, I think Mr. Nicholas would be proud of how the golf course is presented and how it's playing. It's it's never been better from that standpoint. Well, I look forward to playing with you out there one of these days. Well, I love it as well. Thank you so much for your time today. Like I said, I, I appreciate it. It's a thrill for me to talk to you, and thanks for all the great work you did out there at our club. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason.